Welcome to the HR Empowerment Podcast, where we will uncover strategies and new insights from HR professionals who discuss up-to-date regulations, best practices, and the most pressing topics like diversity and equity, leadership, dealing with difficult situations, and much more that affect your bottom line and business. Thanks for joining us. Hey, everybody, it's Wendy Sellers, the HR lady. We are back with our fifth and final episode on nurturing mental wealth in the workplace. And we are here today with our guest expert, Lauren Polly. Hi, Lauren. Welcome back. Hey, thank you. Hey, I'm going to jump right in here. I think JC has a question for you. Yeah, I do. It's kind of a one-liner joke in a way, but not really. You know, I mean, what exactly is a serious mental illness as opposed to a carefree, happy-go-lucky mental illness? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, what's the difference there? There is a spectrum. And so the thing is with labels, labels you're given the box. And we don't really take into account where in the box you may be. And so I would caution anybody dealing, especially in an HR environment, goodness. But in general, if you have someone who has a label, keep it as a grain of salt and look at the individual person. So there are people who have more of a light, you know, if you look at the autistic population, sometimes those kiddos growing into adults, they have a little bit of quirkiness. They do things a little different, but they're super functional. Then you have other people where they are nonverbal and not very functional at all. Like the general population, you have people who are very successful and you have people who aren't so much, you know, there is a variety with all of us. That's humanity. That's what makes us up. Um, so I feel like that's kind of the biggest difference is we look at the box of the label. We don't look at the spectrum that people may be on in there and where they're on in their path as well. You look at someone like me who had a label when I was 14. I got overturned when I was 30. And I've continued to push that edge. So being able to really look at, you may have had the box, but are you in the box? You're coming out. Where are you in your path? It's a very different conversation. And it takes the human approach, not the label approach. It really is. And for those, those, yeah, thank you for asking that. It's a really good question. Um, For the folks that are listening that, uh, you know, wear the HR hat, you have to remind your managers and your hiring team of all of this as well, because they may have somebody in their family that's, uh, for the example you just gave, that is, you know, non-functioning autistic. And then they're, therefore, they don't want to hire anybody with autism. First of all, 100% illegal. We'll take, take that off the plate, but people know ways to get around the law. So making mm-hmm. sure you, you're managing your managers which requires first training them at least on the minimum requirements about, like we mentioned about the ADA, there could be so many other um, laws as well that are affected, but just making sure everybody that's involved in your workforce from the receptionist to the president is saying, you know what, I got to take off my judgment hat, even though we all wear it, it's fun. We all have, we all have a little bit of bias and we have to stop and say, you know what, I didn't know that. And now I need to go educate other people on that. Um, I do want to say, don't do all the education on your, on your own. Get somebody like Lauren involved, um, who can help you with that education and with that coaching, because there is so much that we don't know. And we, we need to stay in our knowledge box until we learn, you know, more about XYZ subject. With that said, wanted to mention that real quick here. Um, uh, what other pieces of advice that you have? Like, what are, what's, maybe an action plan that our listeners can walk away with today. They're sitting here going, you know what? I do have some of these people on my team and our strategy has just been to avoid them. <laughs> Giving them an action plan moving forward, Lauren. 
Yeah, I would say the number one thing is to challenge, we call it in the hospital, challenge your maps, basically where your brain is mapped into judgment. You have preconceived notions based on whatever experience you do or do not have. Uh, We all have it. It's humanity thing. It's okay. But you need to start challenging that. If I didn't have this definition of what is wrong with this person, and I'm not just talking about like people have labels, maybe a coworker who's been bugging you for years. Whenever you get into a map and you have a preconceived notion about that person, you just create more of the same. So challenging yourself, stopping for a second before you react to them, before you engage, challenge where you may be going into a preconceived notion, and then see if there's another possibility. So if you stop yourself, you challenge where you're going, and then you're open you show up in presence with somebody. That's a huge key for self-awareness, by the way, actually getting present with what is, not what we think is. Uh, that's going to be a huge, huge thing. And it sounds like a small action, and it is, but it's actually quite difficult because yeah. constantly through the day, you're going to just notice from having this conversation with us, wow, every conversation I've had today, I've had preconceived notions. I've been mm-hmm. on autopilot, and I haven't listened to anything. Right. Yeah, yeah that, that's, that's what I would, one. Yeah, that's what I was saying about the bias. We all have it, you know, and so we have to, like you said, stop, challenge yourself, and then, oh, I don't know, listen, communicate, be open-minded, make the changes, maybe actually send have an apology too, <laughs> and then move on. That is excellent advice. JC, you have any final stats for us before we wrap up here? Every 10,000 employees that are hurting or suffering lose $20 million in potential opportunities. And increasing workers' scheduling stability actually results in a 7% increase in median sales overall and a 5% increase in labor productivity. So having schedule stability at work and a regular routine schedule, very important for your bottom line and the mental health of your workforce. You're not always changing the game on them. So... Provide that stability, not even just in schedule, but in the way that you communicate and the way that you remain authentic and genuine. Back to you. That's a really good point. Um, I myself, you know, I've been running my own business for 10 years now. And there are days like today, like this week and last week, which I do honestly feel is because of the heat that I'm just like, I I can't function today, even though there's things on my calendar, I'm, I'm really struggling functioning. And so it's taken me a long time to be able to be self-motivated. You know, many people, there are JC, there are some personalities, either personality styles or personality traits, though, that love winging it and going with it. Doesn't always mean they're actually going to get anything done, just that they really like the challenge of winging it. (laughs) Lauren, what are your thoughts on that and, and providing stability for your employees with you know, having consistent schedules and even meetings um, to talk about their performance and their behavior. I think it's so kind to give clarity and it's so kind to give a sense of safety. So when you can be consistent, if you actually look at it in a human way, that's what you're providing for them. You're providing a sense of clarity and safety. And in that in of itself, it it kind of helps their nervous system. Most of us have central nervous systems that are on high alert all the time. Blood pressure, sweating, anxiety, all of the things that you don't even realize. You're not breathing deeply. Your shoulders are up near your ears. Being able to do these really simple things, you take everything down a notch. 
and me working in a hospital for years and years where everything's like a stat emergency and a big deal, it's really important to keep that in mind so that if you as the person working there can keep your central nervous system lower, off fight or flight, more relaxed, you're going to have more bandwidth to deal with things as they come up. So if you can think of it that way, that's what you're providing for your employees with the stability. I will say in your communications, the more concise and clear you can be, the better. However, you're also a human. You're going to get stressed Mm -hmm. and you're going to mess it up. Everybody does. Uh, I manage a department. I've had big O's that I've done in the past, but I have to look into myself and give myself grace. And I find that's what's missing so much in corporate culture is employees don't give managers grace. They're supposed to be perfect and also vice versa a lot of times too. And we sure as hell don't give ourselves grace. So being able to have that of like, you know what? I could have done that better. Maybe I have to verbally apologize. Maybe I just know that for myself and I take it as a note and I move forward. So for me, I feel like that's the biggest self-help growth potential that we have. Stop challenge your perspectives, but also have a sense of grace as you move forward. Kindness and grace. We need a lot more of that in this world. Mm -hmm. The funny thing is, uh, well, not actually funny. uh, Whenever I'm doing like a a corporate training or even just speaking on stage at a conference, I often ask the audience, when was the last time that you admitted to your team that you made a mistake? And we have a lot of people raising their hands. And I say, do you feel they, they, um, the person that asked for, you know, forgiveness or admitted that they made a mistake, did you have more respect for them or less? And almost everyone says, no, I've had more respect because they got in front of the team, whether the team's three people or 300 people and said, I screwed up. I'm, I'm taking responsibility for this. And so that alone is the kindness that goes both way and the grace to say, you know what? I get it, but we learn from our mistakes. And so mistakes are necessary in the workplace. And so Mm -hmm. for some of you that are listening today are going, oh boy, I've screwed that up before. Give (laughs) yourself some, some grace, be kind to yourself and say, you know what? I have made mistakes moving forward. I'm going to check on my own mental health, my own mental wealth. And then I'm going to start looking out for other people's. And then if I can't afford to train all my managers, at least at a minimum, buy a book and hand it out and, and, you know, Lauren's book and say, all right, we're going to talk about this together so that we can treat each other um, more kindly, more safe in an environment that in the end is going to win. The bottom line is going to win. With that said, final words from you, Lauren, how can our folks reach, uh, reach out to you? Where can they find you? laurenpolly.com is the easiest. It's got my podcast. It's got my book up there and ways to connect. I do corporate speaking and my favorite corporate consulting. So roundtables with managers and then a lot of one-to-one with employees uh, just to be able again, like how do we work cohesively as a team, but what brilliance do the people have in your company that if you just harnessed it a little bit could actually make everything work better. And I feel like, I hope, fingers crossed, that's the way companies are moving in the future. Yeah, I hope so too. Well, we hope this information has been helpful to our listeners. Thanks for joining us. Take care. Thank you for joining the HR Empowerment Podcast brought to you by Aurora Training Advantage. We hope you've gained new insight and strategies to navigate the HR profession. We look forward to you joining us again on the HR Empowerment Podcast.